You're listening to Overdrive, brought to you by Alpine Credits. Do you own your home and need a loan? Alpine Credits can help. Get approved at alpinecredits.ca. Hour 2 Overdrive continues, brought to you by FanDuel, bringing you everything from the opening line to the final score. Brian Aziodog, Jeff O'Neill, Jamie Noodles, McLennan. Flashbacks to like 2001, 2002, when Usher was really popular, but he'll be playing the halftime show this year, and sounds like Alicia Keys may be joining him. How'd that leak? Like, can't they just keep it a surprise? Well, and it makes you wonder who else is going to show up. Like, we just heard Lil, Lil John, and that, like, everyone's betting on that. I think on FanDuel, I don't, do they have, like, song props on FanDuel? Look that up, Doogie. But I've seen on, you know, other spots online that that song is like a lock to be played, right? You know he's going to play his hits, but is that the one he starts with? Does he go with something a little oh, bit different? So you can bet on, like, the set list. Yes, absolutely, Noodles. You can bet wow. on which song he's going to start with, how many outfit changes. Basically bet on everything at the Super Bowl. Yeah, so. I mean, Usher's really talented. Yeah. That, doesn't that song remind you of the Will Smith movie? Uh, is it Hitch? Doesn't he play that yeah. where he's, he's showing the guy how to dance and all of that? Like he's trying to hook him up with a girl. That was a great movie. I'm pretty sure that song comes up all the time. And that was a hugely too. popular song, yeah. like massive in the clubs and everything. So, yeah, yeah. we'll see Usher on Sunday. And again, I, I guess uh, Alicia Keys will be a part of that. Um, so, yeah, Luke Wilson coming up in an hour. Al's brother coming up in an hour picks, and we'll tee up the game. We got a clip from Tom Brady. He was doing some interview or some podcast with Steve Young. Had a really interesting answer on like why quarterbacks are getting rave reviews today when he's suggesting they shouldn't, based on you know being a quarterback and reading the defense and it's it's getting a lot of play online. And Is it Brady like like just the quality of yeah like it's a really interesting way of describing again because if you're like the untrained eye like we are we didn't play quarterback we weren't quarterbacks in the NFL you see a play right. breakdown and then a quarterback take off. You're like, wow, that was an athletic play. Like, what a play. And he looked at it very differently because he suggested basically the defense wasn't read properly, and that's why you took oh. off. Um, we have it. Do you want to play? We might as well play it. Let's set the yes. tone for the whole hour. All right, here's Tom Brady chatting with Steve Young. Okay, there's a probability on third down. In short, they're going to play man-to-man coverage. So, therefore, on my call sheet, I'm going to call my man-to-man beaters. Oh, they didn't call man-to-man. Looks like, you know, a simple cover two zone. This play isn't really working for that. Okay, in my mind, it would be like, okay, let me get to my best cover two play against this look, as opposed to now we get the ball. Okay, it's, it's, we've got a bunch of crossing routes into cover two. That's not good. Let me hold the ball and go run it. And then people on TV go, oh, you know, great play, way to run. And in my mind, I'm going, why did you snap the ball? I mean, you clearly knew no one's going to be open. Because, I don't know, in all my years of playing, in 20 years, that wasn't going to be open. So, really interesting viewpoint. That, wow. like, basically what he's saying, and this is, I think, in, is, I don't think this is his intention, but he knows that people are pumping the tires of Mahomes and Mahomes' creativity and Lamar Jackson just won, you know, MVP. And Brady, I think, is basically saying, like, I didn't run at all. Because I read the play better than I read else. the play. Exactly. So these guys would take off and other quarterbacks. Josh Allen's a great example of that. And Brady's basically like, you call the play expecting the defense to play man, 
you knew that that wasn't the case, that they were playing cover two, and you didn't call an audible. Instead, you just snapped the ball and got creative, and people were like, wow, what a brilliant move. And Brady's like, why would you do that? Right. Hey, like, look, <laughs> the guy's entitled to say whatever he wants, Hayes, but what I would want from Tom Brady, whether it's talking to Steve Young there or during a broadcast, is not saying, I don't know why these guys are doing it, and, and like I didn't do that. It's just like, just talk about the play. He could have done something different as opposed to, I never did that because I read the play different. We know you did, dude. You won yeah. seven Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Like, do you really need to go on there and talk about how well? Everyone knows how well you read the play. Well, Like, what's the sense of trash talking what's out there? And, and just, well, it's almost like shots that are just unnecessary. Like, during a broadcast, he could say, the only reason he's running for his life right there is because he didn't read the defense off the snap of the ball, so he shouldn't even have snapped the ball. But to just go on podcasts and say that's not the way I did, everyone knows you're uh, the GOAT, man. (laughs) Do they, though? That's the thing. People are challenging him already. They got retired a year ago. But you actually think he takes offense to that? Like, oh, they're pumping up Mahomes a lot I wouldn't be surprised. I think Michael Jordan did the last dance specifically because LeBron was getting too much love. And guess what? LeBron's going to do the same thing. This is... Like the timing, that, is that, that, then that's insane. That idea is insane for these people, as famous as they are and as good as they were as players. You just ride off into the sunset, like Michael Jordan. Like that guy is the goat. There's no, they, I don't care who comes along, man. And everyone's got a different opinion, but to have to do the last dance to kind of get a needle in there—that's insane behavior. Well, he did but it. They're competitive. These guys are competitive. Like I, I think Tom Brady. I don't know what his you know, thought process was abre- uh, behind talking about that. I thought that was fascinating, that mm-hmm. clip right there. Fascinating. Like, it's just, it's great insight. Now, would Mahomes or anybody take that as a slight? I guess the, well, the quarterback would take it as a slight. Right, right? And, and to be fair, again, I don't know how they got to that point. I don't think he specific. I don't believe it was like, well, what do you make of Mahomes or Lamar, I think he was talking in generalities around the right. NFL and the way people react to, you know, broken down plays and all that, where, you know, basically the essence of it was, you know, you're giving a quarterback credit for something that he shouldn't have done. Like he should have never been in a position where he felt like he had no options and he had to run. Right. And, you know, that's that's why else would you have him in the booth if it's not because he's the GOAT? Like because he's going to express it the way he sees it as Tom Brady, the ultimate quarterback professor. You know, it's the same thing with Peyton. When Peyton Manning's doing his thing with Eli and everything, Peyton's reading defenses and talking about stuff. The guy was a lunatic behind center. The amount right. of audibles he called, the, the the offense he ran, the way he operated that, it's difficult to be on the level. The true essence of a great broadcaster for those two guys will be, how do you dumb it down so people can keep up with you, right? But I, I'm i curious. Like, I'm curious to see, you know, again, where Brady, where Brady takes this. And, again, to be fair to him, Steve, you know, I don't know – where that conversation came from or where it was going. But that is an interesting viewpoint that I have not heard expressed. And again, I mentioned LeBron. I I just sent this tweet to Joe from the bridge. I guess there's a Twitter account, LeBron history at Braun history. I guess there was some pass that, that LeBron made recently. And this LeBron super fan account said this pass was so unbelievable that some people literally don't believe that Braun did this on purpose. Y'all must not know who LeBron is, which I always love, right? Who, this is the like, okay, who is saying that? Well, people are saying who, like who is saying that they don't believe he meant to do that on purpose. I don't, I have no idea who, who that would be, but LeBron himself quote tweets that and says, after all this time, I'm still proving them wrong. 
I mean, you would think they would know by now, but you know when it comes to me, woe yeah. is me, LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he never gets his flowers. He never gets, you know, everyone thinks he's just some, you know, plug that's been kicking around the NBA for 20 years. Yeah. Like, that's amazing that LeBron's, what is he, 18, 19 years into his career, 20 years into his career, 38 years old, he's still rocking. He's won all these rings. If he's not the greatest of all time, he's number two or number three. And yet he's indicating that people don't give him enough respect. He just needs the attention. I don't know well, why, but it's just he gets attention all the time, but he, he has to do more of that. He does. It'll be interesting to see once he retires. What's he going to be like? If, well, that's if what I'm saying. They're talking about you know, Jokic or somebody like that, and he, he'll, he's going to have comments for him. It'll be the next wave. It'll, yep. it, he'll have his version of the last dance, I would guess. I'm just be... glad that 99 doesn't even have to have the debate with anybody. It's just like, look at the points, and then I have 7 million more. That's why I'm the great one, and it's <laughs> exactly. over and done with. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, every every sport's got a different goat, I guess, and a different approach. Um, but, yeah, I'm telling you, I, I'm LeBron will keep, he'll, he'll stay online. He'll keep doing media stuff. Yeah. Um, here's Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, joining us here on the Maple Toyota Hotline. How you doing, Johnny? Sorry, boys. Missed the first call. I was completely fishing out of the water. I was at a hardware store buying, like, shelving. <laughs> I'm supposed to, like, craft into a garage-style storage unit, which the likelihood of me being successful is negligible. So my hands were full with walking in my car with boards, it's going to be a gong show. What a tough way to start the weekend. Okay, all good. Yeah. All good. I'm sure Doogie called you 14,000 times in a row until you answered, so we appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, it's good to have you on, and, and please keep us updated on how that... The shelving goes? How the shelving goes <laughs> in the future. I'd love to know more about that. Um, anyway, I saw... You know what I saw? And Doogie was telling me this. Like, Phil Kessel's trending online because people are trying to link him to Vancouver or other teams, and I guess Jim Rutherford would have a connection with him. Come on. I know. I just don't see it. Like, where, where, where are you at with Phil? Is it, is it the end of the road? We're just not going to see Phil Kessel play again? I'm surprised that it's so sort of out there that he wants to. Like, good that he wants to. I mean, it's admirable for a guy everyone thinks doesn't like hockey that much, that he still wants to keep playing. But, I mean, he was never the picture of, prime physical cardiovascular health, despite his incredible Ironman streak, to think that he could take a year off or three-quarters of a year off, jump into a team that's really good, play a prominent role in the playoffs, it, it, it's tough to think. It's tough to think he could do that. I mean, he didn't play in the playoffs last year in Vegas. But, you know, They went other directions. So he's had a great career. Board, not, maybe not quite a Hall of Fame career, but really pretty close. Um, I'm guessing no. Like It just doesn't seem feasible. Although I respect the <laughs> the PR campaign to keep him out there in the public yeah. sphere, absolutely. Um, so the Leafs are in Ottawa tomorrow night. We've we've discussed it this week with them only playing two games. Sansonov got both starts. Uh, there's no word on who's mm-hmm. going to start tomorrow night. But do you think like he's already reestablished like number one indisputable until Wall returns, or would you anticipate that Martin Jones is going to get a start again soon and maybe get another chance to win back the net himself? Uh, I would not concede the net to Samsonov as a foregone conclusion. No, I mean, as you tell me against Dallas, like, they won 5-4. Was he really good that game? Was he locked in? Was it was he so tight that you'd never look at him and say, you know what, maybe we could explore a different option? didn't feel like that to me when I watched him play. So 
I'd say no. I mean, it's sort of a day-by-day thing for him and the Toronto Maple Leafs until Wall gets back and they just, fingers crossed, that he, 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 you know, he eliminates this question as being something they have to think about. But I wouldn't think so. I, I just, even when he makes the saves, like, it's still a work in progress for me with him. Like, he doesn't give me full confidence that he will stop all the shots you think he probably should. So until I kind of get that feeling that he will, and he, in fact, does, then no, I, I can't remember where he was. Like, I'm delighted for him. It's really been something that he's come back and he's played better. But I can't pretend like he wasn't where he was a month ago, three weeks ago. And so I am sort of game by game. I'm happy I have the option to play him, but I'm not giving it to him, guaranteed. No chance. Johnny, where are you at with that goaltending situation? We always talk about, you know, the D and then, you know, some depth at forwards. But... You know, is there a trust level, or what do you need to feel or see? With the, we'll call it the three pack because Martin Jones is in the mix still because he helped. We could argue that he helped save their season, really, because he was the only guy who was playing well uh, and was available to them. Because coming back, Joseph Wall, there's no guarantee he's just going to hit the ground running. And let's not forget, we don't have a, a big book on Joseph Wall. He's played 30 games in the league, if that. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, if, if he has a little bit of a dip here. Is there some trust through the all three that you feel like, okay, Tree is not going to deal with that situation. He's fine there. He's just going to find one that is going to play well at the right time for the group? Don't know if he's super confident that he that they have the answer there. And the other part about Wall's conversation, while he has looked good and there's lots of reason to believe that he'd be great, he's not been able to stay healthy. He's had a lot of injuries in his career. So, you know, even when he comes back, you know, you're kind of – crossing your fingers that he can play the rest of the year without being hurt, which has not always been easy for him to do. But Noodles, the way I look at it is that they have three options, all of whom on a given night can be pretty good or maybe a bit better than that. They have needs elsewhere that require the assets to deal with and the cap space to to try to fit in that I don't think goaltending is like a luxury they can't afford to go shopping for right now. And like I get, like, if you don't have a goalie, you don't have anything, but they can't go get a goalie that would be demonstratively better than all three of those guys healthy as options. So, like, going to get Jake Allen, like, it's, you know, you're not going to get Markstrom. No. So, like, what are you going no. to do to address the goaltending situation? You're just going to roll the dice and hope that it's good enough, which is risky, I know, but they need a defenseman and they need, I think, a couple forwards before they need a fourth goalie who may be better than those guys, may not be. I think they just kind of go with what they have and hope that Wall gets healthy, Samsonov plays well, and they look something like they did last year. Johnny, do you think somebody is set up, and I'm not really including the Leafs in this because I don't know if they have (laughs) what it takes for something like this, but could somebody who believes that they're in a hunt pull off some kind of blockbuster? Like, could the Carolina Hurricanes go after Tanev, Markstrom, like, just... Just try to get it all and just make a massive deal. Is that out there, do you think? Or is that are those days over? It's hard for the dollars more than it is the assets. The one team I think that could might be Jersey. I think Jersey's got a lot of good young players, mm-hmm. and they have cap space, and they have LTIR with Dougie Hamilton, that they could get pretty aggressive, pretty frisky. Now, it'd be a risk because they're not even in the playoffs right now, but... You know, they need a goalie. I watched the Jersey game last night, and that Vanacek was as shaky as you could imagine in the game that they <laughs> lost to Calgary. 
Um, they, they would be, yeah, yeah, every time they go across the blue line, you're like, oh boy, I hope it's okay. Um, so they might be the one team, oh, that would be, that could maybe be pretty aggressive. And the other one, I don't know how aggressive they'll be because they're not, is LA. They have a ton of prospects. They have some needs, but I don't know if they're good enough to warrant doing that in the West. The West to me is a six team race and LA is not as good as any of them. So I don't think it's worth it. But in the East, in the Metro, which feels wide open, like even the Rangers, like completely wide open. You know, if you're the Devils, you go in at fourth, and you have a great goaltender playing well, that might be enough to, to make noise in, in a thinner Eastern Conference. With Mike Johnson, I assume Winnipeg is one of those six teams out West, yet they're 0-4-1 yeah. in their last five, and they can't score. Like, their goal scoring is a real issue. Their power play struggled all year. Um, we know their defensive prowess. We know the guy in net, but, like, Shifley's back now. You know, what, what do, Connor's back. He, he missed, what, he missed five weeks? Like, this seems to be a pretty significant issue that they need to rectify. Can they, can they move into the dance and do damage uh, trying to win 2-1 every single night? Probably not. I mean, they, you think that they would have been in a good spot with Connor coming back. They go get Sean Monaghan, and that's tough for both those. Not Connor so much. He's been around, but Monaghan shows up. They lose a couple games. They can't score. Mm-hmm. The very job he's supposed to do, they're getting it's being highlighted that they're not doing it well enough. Like, I think if the league is transitioning to a four-three league, right? You need four goals to win. The Leafs are a prime example of that. Not in the playoff time. Winnipeg's a throwback. Well, yeah, that, that, this is true as well. But I think even in the regular season, Winnipeg's a three-two team. Like they just don't score as much, but they're also comfortable in keeping other teams below three. So, you know, it ebbs and flows. There is new personnel uh, moving back and forth, but um, you know they don't have game breakers. Like as good as Mark Scheifele is, I guess Kyle Connor would be that. But other than that, Nick Ehlers is really good, but they don't have a superstar up front that in games that are a bit choppy can sort of take it and make it happen. So. There will be times where it's a grind, when it's not going well. They sort of have to get everyone going together by committee, and then they get their three, three, three and a quarter goals a game, and that's how they win. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's going to be – what something's got to keep them from advancing. That's going to be it. Well, they, and plus you got, your players have to play better. We, I was on that Winnipeg broadcast last night, and looking at it, like they, they ran a, um, a board where, you know, like Velarde has like one in 11. Ehlers has one in nine. Like mm-hmm. Kyle Connor had one in eight. Like you know, Shifley was like one, two and nine, or something like that. Like those guys are expected to to be on better clips than that. Like that's the thing. Like I always say, when a team is struggling, you know, it's easy easy to point to boy uh, Adam Lowry's got to be better. But in in the end, it's your star players that have to be better. You know, when Edmonton was no good at the start of the season. You know, Derek Ryan wasn't going to dig them out. It was going to be their top players that had to do it. Mm-hmm. And and I would argue that Winnipeg, their top players, Kyle Connor had a partial breakaway last night, and he tried a spinorama pass to the back door. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Like, you know, I, you want to be creative, but sometimes it's just like, that guy's a scary shooter. He's a 40-goal scorer. Like, if I'm the goalie, I, I welcome him to pass that puck because I don't want to face that shot. Like, to me, they... they They've got to start forcing the puck towards the net because they just weren't good enough. The last five games, 
you, you guys watch the Leaf games. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the first night they played very well. I thought Samsonov was the difference in that game. I thought Samsonov <laughs> stole that game. The second game, the Leafs were the better team, and yep. they beat them in Winnipeg. It, but they, you know, Samsonov made a couple saves, but he didn't have to be the factor. Against Pittsburgh the other night, they outchant, They had 19 high-quality chances. It's about execution, and if you're not doing it, that's what happens. You're getting shut out nightly, and you're in, your top players are not playing with confidence right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, that's how it goes, even for good players. Like, obviously, Connor, elite goal scorer, Shifley, elite point getter. You know, right. you, you go a few games without doing it, you get a little tight, you get a little, you start thinking a little bit, you feel the pressure of, of the moment, of the standings, and all the rest of it, and, and all of a sudden, it looks it looks harder than it otherwise should for those guys, and, right. and maybe that's where they are right now. I, I still think they're very good. The idea, if you can keep them to two or three every game, you'll be in almost every game. Um, and they, they, they have enough scoring to be competitive. They just got to – it's always the players. In the end, players have to execute, have to play better, and they're no different. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you look at the Pacific. Edmonton's back in action tonight. Um, but, you know, Vegas is, is starting to win games, and they're pursuing the, the, that top spot where they're – you know, they're still five points back of Vancouver, but you got 30 games left to play. And with Vancouver, you know, they got beat pretty badly in Boston last night, and Taka wasn't happy with the way they played. And um, yet, I'm all like, I'm waiting for it because we're in the middle of it, I guess, with Winnipeg. Like, they're all four and one. They can't score goals, struggle for them right now. Prior to that, they've been relatively consistent all year. Uh, Vancouver has not had like a five game stretch where it's looked ugly. And I'm not anticipating it's going to start because of the way they played last night, but it wouldn't be shocking. Like an 82-game grind is a grind for a reason. Like chances are you're going to have a five-game pocket where you struggle. Um, and it's like it's it's almost like I'm waiting for their turn. But if that happens and Vegas is rocking, like there's a real that that top spot is not solidified in that in that division. It's likely Vancouver's, but man, would that be terrifying? The idea that you that Vegas passes you down the home stretch and you got to play Edmonton in the first round. That has got to be motivating in Vancouver. And don't sleep on Edmonton. I haven't right. checked today, but by point percentage, they might be ahead of Vegas anyway, right? Because yeah. they have yeah. so many more games to play. So, yeah, I think a lot of us, you, you've heard me talk many times about the crazy shooting and the scoring that Vancouver is doing. You know, look, their underlying numbers, they're a top 10 team, not the best team in the league as far as offense goes. But they produce like the best team in the league because they're shooting the lights out. If that goes quiet, what does that feel like for them? Because all they've known this year is they can score whenever they want. Like, they, they, they can always find goals. And if they go through a run, which they probably should at some point, where they just don't go in for whatever reason or the breaks don't go their way, you know, does it get a little tighter? Does it get a little tense when it doesn't come so easy for them? That'll be interesting to see. They haven't had a real tough flip yet. And just about every other team except for maybe Boston has had a run where they're not very good for five, six, seven games. And Vancouver, I'm sure at some point, will have them, and, and we'll see. But you're right. Like, that Pacific, I'm not conceding. Like, yes, Vancouver is in a good spot. I'm not giving it to them just yet from Vegas or from, from Edmonton. I think it's going to be tight right down the wire. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's ideal. I mean, that's kind of what you want if you're the NHL. It's going to mm-hmm. be tense for the fan bases for sure. But, you know, races are going to be happening everywhere. And, you know, in the Leafs division, you got – Tampa and Detroit, and that's kind of the group that the Leafs find themselves in. Yeah, Tampa lost again last night. Sergachev's done for the year. Like, they're getting challenged again. They've had ups and downs. They've personified the, the parody of the league this year, I would say, Tampa, because there's just been so much uncertainty in terms of them ironing things out and, 
you know, we discussed this yesterday. Like, we, I think they'll make the playoffs. And I, I think Pierre said that he expects Tampa to go all in and try to acquire as much as they can at the deadline because they feel once they get in, they can do damage. But it's, it's going to be a struggle for the, for the Lightning. Yeah, that's a good chef injury. Awful to watch. Oh, my goodness. It makes you jump out of your chair. But, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I don't know. Like, their top players are still so great. But the rest of their roster is, is not. You take Sergachev out of their lineup, and now you have Chernak's their second defenseman. Who's their third defenseman? Darren Radish? Yeah. Radish, probably. Nick Perbix? Like, you know, Hayden Fleury? Like, these are not – This is your third best defenseman. And I know they get to play with Hedman or they get to play with Chernak, but that's – like, you know, you're going to play Boston in the first round. Like, I know Tampa's the pedigree and the, you can't take it any away from the star players, but – They'll be the underdog, and they should be by a pretty considerable margin if they play any team in the in the Atlantic in the first round. So um, still scare we'll the hell out of people, Johnny. <laughs> I don't. I, I guess so, but I mean, I think the, the, the fear comes from the history, not from the current. Right, right. They, right. They're, and the goalie, you know, <clears throat> and the goal, and the power play, really, because the power play is gross the way they can snap it around. But you know, if there are going to be fewer penalties, are going to be better on the PK? Vasilevsky, yes, he terrifies you, his history again, but it's not like he was good last year against Toronto. He was not good. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been great this year, and I know it's back surgery, and we, uh, you know, I don't know how that works for a goaltender coming back, but he's not been his normal self. So if you look at just them in the bubble of this window, they're, they're a mediocre team, middle of the pack, and that's kind of where they're at with, with elite-level talent. I, I think they mirror the Leafs. I swear to God, like you could lay those rosters out side by side, like the D, like we're, we're talking about Perbix, that's Simone Benoit or whatever, you know, that's, Simone that's yeah. Benoit. you know, like that's yeah. you know, like in the top end talent and then secondary guys that you're like, ah, oh, they get it done, get it not like, you know, like it, they are, they actually mirror each other as far as like roster construction. It's just, you know, now you've got injuries. Well, and also farm system, right, where Tampa went all in, the Leafs went yeah. all in, the difference is Tampa won. Yeah. And the yeah. Leafs didn't. No, you're right. You know, like the Leafs have been all in for five or six years, just like Tampa has, and now Tampa's right. paying a price where, you know, got bloated cap system, maybe not a great farm system, not a ton of picks, and yeah. that that's the issue that the Leafs constantly have to deal with is that they have been operating as if they were winning Stanley Cups. And now they're paying the price. With assets going out the window. Right, exactly. Right. Only they, they don't have the banner, you know, right. where Tampa's got two of them. So Yeah, the, the cost of doing business, I mean, I wouldn't do it any different if I was the least. I'm not saying that, but it's just a reality. They are where they are, yeah. and they haven't had the success. But I also think it's a bit of an eye-opener, and Noodles, it's a fair, fair comparison. Because I don't know where you guys think the Leafs are, like, because the Leafs have been so good, forget about whether they've won in the playoffs or not, but like they've been really good for four or five years. The, 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 the assumption, the vibe around the team, when I go around the league, when I talk to other people, is that they're still really, really good. And I think the reality for this Leaf team right now, so far this year, is that they're not a top-10 team in the league. I think they're 10th in points, perhaps, maybe 10th in points percentage, but they're, they're kind of like in that 12 to 16 as opposed to the 3 to 8. And there's a big difference there when you're kind of amongst the elite versus sort of on the, you know, the slightly better of the mediocre. And I think because of all the reasons that we know, they are sort of closer to the middle than they are to the top, which mm-hmm. is which is their reality. It doesn't mean they can't win the playoffs. What, a, what was Florida, the 17th best team in the league? They made it to the final last year. 
Not saying it can't happen, but they're just they're just not as good this year as they have been the past few. No, well, that's, and, expected, and that's been the case all year. Yeah, yeah, and you've expected like you were hoping for, you know, Matthew Nice to hit the ground running, and you know, oh, Johnny, you said like even in college he wasn't this big point producer, but you were hoping he'd settle in and be a difference maker. Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, we've talked about Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, guys like that. You know, Cali Yornkroak, they they miss him because he's a versatile kind of Swiss Army knife player, but ultimately like. Yeah, I, I, I'm just looking at Tampa's roster. Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, Sorelli. That's Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, pick your poison. There's a top mm-hmm. four there. Then you're throwing in Nick Paul and Hagel. That, you know, that's who's that? That's Domi and guys like that. Like, you know, so it, it, it you lay them on top of each other. They're, they mirror each other. Morgan Riley would be Headman. I'll take Headman, yeah. obviously. Now go to the goaltending. Yeah. And then the goalie. Like, but the point being is they're not far off from each other. That's the yeah. thing. This is the cap era. This is where – And but what's going to be the separator? It's how well your top players play down the stretch here. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, well, and that's that, what we saw against Dallas the other night is that yeah, the Leafs' exactly. best players just said, we're going to get two points tonight. And so. I think for both of them winning, regardless of the pedigree in Tampa, you're looking for one element to the game to be extreme for victories, whether that be a goaltending out of his mind, a power play that's so red hot that it just blows the doors off the other team, a first line. It's like an extreme that might have success. It's not like five on five, four lines will overwhelm the opposition. They'd be both be looking to win the same way, yeah. with, with yeah. just something of an extreme. Well, exactly. and that, that was Florida largely last year. Like, Bobrovsky was such a freak in net that it yeah, was. Great. And it's not. And Kachuk was great, and they were clutch, and Verhage was great. Like, obviously, there were other guys that have to contribute, but it was basically Bobrovsky is going to do stuff that we haven't seen in a long time. Other guys chip in. Let's see how long it takes us. And then who did they run into? The team that had wave after wave after wave, Vegas. Who, yeah, who, right. has, who has just got four lines and sixty yep. and a goalie in size and physicality? But I think Florida is more. I think Florida is better equipped this year. For some reason, I think they they, they get it and they got there. They got a taste and they want some more of it. Mm-hmm. That'll be and, interesting. And Bob yeah. fell off. And Bob fell off. Like you know that that final, which felt very lopsided from Vegas's favor. Sergey Borovsky was not the guy he was the previous two rounds. It was mm-hmm. not. You know, you'd have Toronto and Carolina watching that final, going the hell was this guy when we played against them right like we didn't right. It. now some of that is vegas is doing clearly but some of that is just a goaltender who who wasn't playing as well so um you know i think there's a lot of teams come on just about every team you know that has some holes in it that that needs some special performances now the Leafs might be more sort of narrow focused like they need special from like four guys and a defenseman and maybe one of other goaltenders and that's what they can bank on other teams may have more options but most teams have the issue of like we need something special from our important players, or else we're just we're just okay. We're not we're not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Talk to Colorado. What's Colorado do without no McKinnon does it every night? But McKinnon, Nachushkin, Ranton, and McCarr. Right. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you're not getting a ton from Drewan or Ryan Johansson or Ross Colton. They're not winning games for you. Mm-hmm. It's it's the big guys. It's just how 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 frequently they can do it. And then, you know, hopefully somebody steps up in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, that's the reality for a lot of teams. Uh, all right, Johnny, we'll let you get back to your, uh, your, your whatever shelving. you're doing. You're shelving. shelving. I might finish the show with you guys. I want to delay doing it <laughs> <laughs> as long as possible. I don't blame you. Good luck with it, buddy. Thank you for doing this. 
I'll see if I can finish with all ten fingers. Attaboy. Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, joining us here on the Maple Toyota Hotline. Check out Maple Toyota's huge truck and SUV lineup, including Tundra, Forerunner, Highlander, and Grand Highlander in stock and ready to deliver. Visit mapletoyota.com. Uh, Luke Wilson in about a half an hour. Al's brother in about a half an hour. Dear Hazy B in about an hour. Overdrive continues. TSN 1050 and on TSN 4. Mail it in Fridays brought to you by Boston Pizza, Canada's favorite sports bar. From touchdowns to tie bites and puck drops to pizza, BP's elite lineup of apps, wings, and ice cold beers. Always dialed in for game time, hustling your local BP tonight. Feels like we say it every week when the NFL is being played, but this is like a massive Boston Pizza weekend. Oh, big time. Yeah, they are rocking with the Super Bowl. You got the Leafs in action tomorrow. You got the uh, Raptors in action tonight. Sucks that Fred Van Vliet won't play. Battle of Ontario tomorrow. And, you know, I remember us discussing it coming into the year that, like, the Battle of Ontario was supposed to be reestablished this year. And I, I got to wait till next year, but And now we got to wait till next yeah, year. Right? Yeah, that sucks. And I said it countless times. I'm like, it's on Ottawa to pull their weight. Like, they're the ones that are going to establish it, not the Leafs. The Leafs are probably going to be a good team, will be a good team. Mind you, games. they always find a way to play well against the Leafs. Don't yeah. kid yourself. Like, they always seem to either win the game or to have guys have big nights and, and make it a contest. They yeah. win a lot against the Leafs. They do. They play them tough. Well, it's one of those things. I've said this a million times. It doesn't matter where certain teams are in the standings. I remember being at the bottom of the standings with the Islanders. We'd play the Rangers, and like we'd still find a way to have mm-hmm. a good game, right? Like, it's just there's certain games are circled. Now, the Leafs have played a couple games. Ottawa's been on their break. So right, there's exactly. that, that initial rust coming out. I don't know. There, not everyone's loved their games coming out of these breaks there. There's been some rust. But a lot can, of teams not so happy and wondering well, what the boys have been up to. That said, if you lose, another team's got to win, right? Like yeah. teams have yeah. been winning too. But, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Ottawa, I guess, will be sitting there waiting. And um, and same thing with Montreal. And I, I remember the same thing when the Leafs, you know, had – Tough seasons in the 80s or 90s or whatever. It was still, they'd get up for the halves. It meant something. There'll be a lot of oh, energy yeah. in the building, you know, yeah. and, and the same thing with Montreal when the Leafs go there later in the season. You know, the halves are going to play them tough. It seemed like those old 80s Leafs would always be jacked up on a Saturday night at home. Didn't matter how brutal they were, man. Mm-hmm. They'd be buzzing at Maple Leaf Gardens. Always. 80s Leafs, that was it. The Habs would roll through town. They won a cup in 86. They came off the yeah. 70s dynasty. Leafs would win 7-6 and then lose. <laughs> go on a four-game road trip and lose everyone. Old every Kenny, Kenny Ragged would stand uh, on his yeah. head or whoever. Alan Chester. I, I was texting with Cujo today. I was... Uh, um, I love that man. He's yeah. just such a... Beauty. I, it it kind of bothers me. Like, you know, that guy... The Hall. Like, get him in the Hall of Fame. Get him, we got to get him in the get Hall. Get him in the Hall of Fame. We're getting him in the Hall. I, I, absolutely. Um, all right. Sham Sharani, I got a chance to catch up with him earlier today. I think he's down in Vegas. In fact, I know he is. What did he make of the Raptors? What they did yesterday? What they didn't do yesterday? Fred Van Vliet back in town tonight. We'll tee that game up, catch up with Shams. We'll do that next. All right, almost Super Bowl Sunday. Luke Wilson coming up live from Vegas in 20 minutes. Al's brother in studio. Off the cruise, right into the studio, picking winners. We can't wait. Owen Wilson <laughs> versus Hazen, bro. This is it, right? This is it. Super Bowl. Um, and yesterday was a big one, of course, in the NBA. The Raptors made a couple of trades, number of moves they didn't make that have people kind of buzzing up here, wondering where the Raptors are going to take this. And a guy who's as locked in and dialed in as a get, Sham Sharania. 
uh, senior NBA insider with The Athletic Stadium, co-host of Run It Back on FanDuel TV. I had a chance to catch up with him earlier this afternoon. Began by asking him, considering how crazy his day was yesterday, how do you possibly decompress coming off that? You know, I think definitely a flurry of trades that happened yesterday, which is always the case on, on Thursday of trade deadline day, and try to catch your breath a little bit afterward. And I actually got on a flight yesterday. I'm in Vegas now for FanDuel TV and, and for the Super Bowl and, and uh, events and meetings out here. So definitely eventful, fun time. And, uh, you know, I, I always love draft week, free agency week, and, and, and trade deadline week. So all fun times. Yeah, awesome. It was, it was wild yesterday. I love that you're going to decompress in Vegas after a crazy day like yesterday. Responsibly. I love, very responsibly. And I'm curious, like when you get there, obviously the Super Bowl's taken over, the NFL's taken over. Like, do you immediately go to how far are we from actually seeing the NBA arrive in Vegas? And if so, like, what would your, what would your guess on that be? have to think that it's going to happen uh you know several several moments you know whether it's a year two years multiple years three years four years after the next media rights deal um i think over the next several years the nba is going to continue to talk and discuss expansion and figure out how early how soon can that be is that las vegas and seattle is there another market that can keep up but those two markets in particular obviously have a lot of momentum there's been a lot of push in those local markets for a team and, and state, you know, as far as, you know, the government, local governments and, and things like that, definitely pushing city councils of those different, of both of those cities have been pushing for it. So you would think if, if it was to happen, those two cities would be, would be front and center. Well, obviously the NBA has been up here for a long time. And, you know, five years ago it was the epicenter of the NBA when the Raptors won their championship back in 19. And, you know, since then it, it's, it's been up and down as we know. I mean, you've been on the show before. We're kind of in a weird position here with the Raptors where they're transitioning. And, you know, they made a couple of moves yesterday. They've made a few moves already this year, obviously much bigger ones with Siakam and Ananobi earlier in the year. But a lot of Raptor fans are wondering, like, why is Bruce Brown still sticking around? Why did Gary Trent, you know, stick around? Why did Chris Boucher stick around? As opposed to the moves they made, it's the moves they didn't make. Where do you stand on, you know, the Raptors' activity yesterday, but also the lack of activity in some areas? The the Raptors definitely had a conversation on on all those players from what I gather, but it's about meeting the price point and for Bruce Brown, meeting the price point of a first-round pick potentially, maybe a young player as well. And and they valued Bruce Brown, uh, and, and I think teams in the marketplace saw that. And the Knicks had interest. There were a few other teams that had interest. But for the Knicks to be able to get Boyan Bogdanovich, Alec Burks, get two players uh, that, that can help you uh, at different positions became the focal point of their conversation and their focus. And I, I think for, for the Raptors being competitive and, and continuing to field the team that under a first-year head coach is able to stay uh, you know, stay competitive on a night-to-night basis. Obviously, it was important. You saw that with the Kelly Olynyk trade, bringing him in. Well, and, and Olynyk, obviously, a Canadian guy. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, do you anticipate Olynyk and the Raptors will work something out here and, and try to come to terms on, on a deal that will, will keep him around in Toronto? That, that was part of the conversations that, that I was hearing uh, around the league. There were several playoff teams that had interest in Kelly Olynyk, the Knicks, uh, the, the Sixers, Warriors, Lakers, uh, I'm told, all had level of interest in Kelly Olenek. 
but to be able to bring him in and, and you, 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 would, you would have the vision of something long-term if you are the Raptors and being able to keep Kelly Olenek, uh, you know, into the future. I think that was very much a conversation for all interested teams in Kelly Olenek and the team that ended up getting him, which in this case, Toronto, uh, I think keeping him long-term is, is a focus. With Sham Sharani, a senior NBA insider for the Athletic Stadium and co-host of Run It Back on FanDuel TV. Um, you know, you mentioned a moment ago that they're a young team, new coach, and they want to stay competitive. Obviously, it's been a tough year. They didn't help themselves by moving on from, you know, Ananobi and Siakam. Got in good pieces back, specifically in the Ananobi deal that have paid off pretty well early on. But the fear of really bottoming out, like that's a big conversation up here in Toronto. Like there's a real connection to Detroit here. Um, and people are terrified of the Pistons. They just were in Charlotte a couple of nights ago, terrified of what's going on with Charlotte for years. Do you get the impression, Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster, like they want to do whatever they can to avoid bottoming out and continuing to just be an awful team for like years? Um, how, how much of that is in the conversation in terms of what the Raptors are going to do moving forward? When you think about, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, and you think about this Raptors organization and the fabric of the organization, you don't think about a team that's not trying to be competitive. Now, there's always levels of competition and levels of what you're competing for. They're obviously not competing for a championship right now in Toronto. They're in a retooling stage. But around Scotty Barnes, you want to build the right habits. He's a first-time All-Star now being named a replacement. Everything around Toronto is around Scotty Barnes. This is someone that's going to be a max contract guy. There's going to be someone that's going to be the face of their franchise. And so building the right habits, building the right culture, bringing in the right players around him is going to be the utmost importance for uh, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. And that means fielding competitive teams, and and whether that's uh, veteran-laden, whether that's bringing guys in at similar ages. I think moving forward, having guys like R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, young, up-and-coming players with Scotty Barnes, that's going to be important. That's how you build the next era of, of your organization. Well, and the Jakob Pertl acquisition this time last year kind of hangs over the team because that pick, you know, is top six protected and it continues to roll over with protections in the future. Um, and yet Pertl, you know, he's been banged up this year, but without him in the lineup, they've really been exposed by bigs around the league. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if you see, like, he signed that long-term deal. He's here. He committed to them. They committed to him. Do you see Pertl as a guy, though, that they intend on building with alongside Scotty and Quickly and R.J. Barrett? He, he can be, but I, I think, obviously, though, that's their core, the, the guys that you mentioned. When you think about Quickly, you think about Barrett, you think about, uh, you think about Scotty Barnes, of course. Um, Jakob Pertl's in this in-between stage where – he can be a part of something competitively. He can also be a trade asset moving forward. I think um, it, it doesn't seem like the Raptors quite know fully their roster, what it'll look like long-term. Is Bruce Brown going to be a part of a bigger trade down the line? What do they do with Gary Trent in free agency? So there's still a lot of unanswered questions around the roster. With Sean Sharania, um, the Lakers did not do much. How do you think LeBron James is feeling today? I think LeBron James is feeling like he probably expected going into the deadline that there would be a level of activity, but I'm sure he, he knew that, you know, at the, uh, the 24, 48 hours going in that the Lakers were, le- they've been leaning for the last several days on standing pat and, and bringing in their, their, their identity of, of this team. And with D'Angelo Russell playing much better the last month or so, that gave them that option. And they really feel like they have the talent to, to do damage. And how do you connect the, the locker room? the roster with the coaching staff. I think that's a part of all this as well. 
And they, they also, they're trying to be active. Uh, they're they're going to be one of the teams that's going to have significant interest in adding buyout players. One player to keep an eye on, guys, Spencer Dinwiddie, just waived mm-hmm. by the Raptors yesterday. And, and he is going to be making a decision uh, in the coming days, likely between the Lakers and Mavericks, both teams he's expected to meet with. Uh, he met with the Mavericks yesterday. He's expected to meet with the, with the Lakers over the next 24, 48 hours before a decision. And that, that could be a significant pickup for them, for, for either them or Dallas. So definitely keeping an eye on that one. Are you a believer that if and when Bronny James declares for the draft, if and when he gets drafted, like LeBron is, a, is fully committed to playing alongside him regardless of where Bronny ends up playing? That's all LeBron James has said publicly. It seems that's how he's felt privately. So I'm going to hold him to that. Now, when it happens, because it happened, you know, a lot is determined on when Bronny James enters the draft. Is he going to enter the draft this year? Does he wait till the following year? So until that, we see that, it's hard to see what takes, t- takes shape. And if it is a declare for the draft this year and he is a part of a team, does, does LeBron play one season again with either the Lakers or somewhere else and then join Bronny? So a lot of it is still fluid, but I, I, I don't, I haven't gotten a sense that that position has changed from LeBron James, I mean, until he says it. Running back, a daily live NBA show hosted by Michelle Beadle, NBA insider Sean Sharania, and uh, former NBAers Char- uh, Chandler Parsons and Lou Williams. Uh, you can tune in to Run It Back weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern time on FanDuel TV and FanDuel TV+. Plus. Shams, try to enjoy yourself down there in Vegas. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate you, Brian. There it is, little Brian shout-out wow. at the end. Yeah, Appreciate little Brian. Appreciate you, Brian. Yeah, shout-out to Shams. I love it. That's a good point, Brian. <laughs> down in Vegas. Imagine trying to decompress in Vegas. I don't see it being no, possible. We can't do There's that. There's probably been some wild scenes. Yeah. Like just, yeah. oh, there's that guy all tuned up at the bar at yeah. a hotel. Like it's just, I can't imagine. That's the beauty of Vegas. We're going to head back down there next hour. Luke Wilson will join us. We're going to get to our final pick segment of the year. We will yes. tee up the weekend with Luke, get his take on everything we can possibly get his take on. Dear Hazy B, still to come as well. Best bet still to come, brought to you by FanDuel. Final hour up next, Overdrive continues. TSN 1050, soon to be up on TSN 2. You've been listening to Overdrive, brought to you by Alpine Credits. Do you own your home and need a loan? Alpine Credits can help. Get approved at alpinecredits.ca.